All right, hello and welcome to Totem Talks episode 13. Lucky number 13. The Baker's Dozen. Yeah, exactly. We, we talked about this last week. We Why did. Don't bakers know how to count. <laughs> it's I, very odd, right? Well, honestly, it's because one of our episodes was bound to be a clunker that we'd have to throw away. But and then we'd still have a dozen. Unfortunately, none of them were. Yeah, right. That's we nailed them. That's why we have all those legions of fans you're always talking exactly. about. Exactly. Billions at this point. Yeah, I would imagine. It's the I most popular podcast on in Earth. In the galaxy. Wow, the whole galaxy. Yeah, like, I didn't even know that. Yeah, we're, you know, when you talk to people and they don't know what this is, it's because we get so many of our views from from outside of this solar system. That's true. When I pull up the analytics, it does say, like, Mercury and then uh, Alpha Centauri. Alpha Centauri is big. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> uh, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome. For those of you who aren't, welcome back. And uh, we are Totem Talks. And, oh. <laughs> but who are we, though? So we're a low totem. We're a Bucks County, Pennsylvania-based cover band. And we've taken it upon ourselves to take pretty much every musical artist we can think of and rank them. We have some criteria that you're going to hear on this episode. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, as for introductions, uh, my name is Pat. I'm the lead singer of Low Totem. And I'm Nick, and I play guitar and piano and sing for Low Totem. And I'm Tyler. I'm the Low Totem Horse Whisperer. I'm uh, I'm the reason why every time you go out there and see a show, anytime Pat looks agitated, I'm usually the one who can get up there and calm him down. <laughs> Fair enough. I believe That's I was wrong. just called a horse. Which could be a good thing, depending on how you look at it. But anyway, sure. uh, I'll tell everybody, the three artists that we're going to be looking at today are Ray LaMontagne, Government Mule, and then we're going to round things out with blind faith at the end. Absolutely. So very excited for this episode. Yeah. Um, um, me too. Yeah, I really enjoyed the research for it this week. Yeah, um, so why don't we uh, get started? I'll get us started with Ray LaMontagne. Excellent. So he's an American singer-songwriter. Um, he's released eight studio albums. Uh, I think the first one was in 2004. That is correct. Yes, and uh, that's actually one of the albums we're going over today, which is Trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other albums are Gossip in the Grain and Monovision. Yeah, Monovision just released on Pat's birthday this year, June 26, yes. 2020. It did, my 21st birthday. Yeah, right, right, right. So Plus bef- a couple. Yeah, before we get into Trouble, I would like to say that this was definitely the one album that Pat and I were pretty familiar with before yes. we started. So I'd like to hear what Tyler thought of it before we talked, because sure, we kind of had our preconceived notions about this one. So, um, I really enjoyed this. Um, again, uh, I'm at a point now where I don't even feel like bringing up the incorrect genreing on <laughs> Apple Music. Yeah, that's just um, assumed at this, this point. This is not a rock album. This <laughs> no, is just a is really good acoustic album. And it was really kind of peaceful and relaxing to listen to, but not in a dull, kind of boring way. I wanted sure. to hear genuinely wanted to hear what each next song was going to be and having it on was just a a good time all around yeah yeah absolutely okay Okay, good i'm glad to hear that you also liked it because i'm very glad to hear you liked it i know that we like i would say if you know any ray lamontagne songs they would probably be on this album his his breakout songs like trouble um yeah Um, i would say there's probably one or two uh that are famous from tv shows that are on other albums right fair enough but Um, in terms of knowing his songs for him yeah yeah. right i mean the first two especially i think trouble and shelter i think trouble was on like a a, an insurance commercial way back in the day or something Uh, yes it was yeah so and then the other one that i I really don't have insurance (laughs) jolene 
Uh, I actually knew that song as a cover by the Zac Brown Band before I yes, knew the original I Ray LaMontagne version. You knew it as and the I Zac Brown cover. adored the Zac Brown cover, and then I yeah. heard the original version, which I also love as well. Um, if I was to say anything negative at all about this album, which is difficult because all 10 tracks are fairly strong, I would say because of the acoustic singer-songwriter nature of the album it can get very easy for one song to kind of run into the next yes. and they can sound very, very similar. Like yeah. uh, how come track eight, which is a great way to break that up where he really rocks out more so than he does on any other album or on any other song, excuse me. But for the most part, there is a very distinct sound and like every track kind of falls into that. Sure. So uh, what I'll say about just Ray LaMontagne, I want to share this story, uh, how he became a famous person, a uh, singer. Uh, so he was working at a shoe factory in Maine, and then he heard the song Treetop Flyer off of Stephen Still's solo album, and then he immediately called out of work for that day, because he heard it on his morning clock radio to wake up. Fascinating. Called out of work, went and bought the album, listened to it all the way through, and then within like a month had quit his job and just pursued music full time. Which is amazing. And then the fun part that really rounds all that story together is that Stephen Stills of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young fame, amongst other bands, yes. his daughter, Jen, does background vocals yeah. on this album, How on the song crazy. Narrow Escape. So That's it's so cool. Because uh, Ethan Johns, who's the producer of yeah. this album, had worked with Stills before. And Ethan Johns is sort of like the unsung hero of each of these first two albums. He's the producer, the engineer, the mixer. He also writes all the string arrangements. He does additional guitar parts. He does the drums and percussion. He records piano, bass, uh, so many things. I mean, <laughs> Ethan much, Johns is just a monster. Pretty much everything that's not acoustic guitar, vocals, and harmonica, Yeah, dude has had a hand in. I mean, exactly. there's some violin and some cello that he didn't do, but like... It's absolutely insane. Yeah, still remarkable what Ethan yeah. Johns did for this album. I mean, he really um, pulled it together for Ray, I think. It's so true. And he does the same thing um, with Gossip in the Grain. Yes. Uh, but as So finishing up with Trouble. Uh, the big song is Trouble. Um, it's probably, I would say, his most famous song or close yeah. to it. Um, and I, I want to just share a little thing. Uh, so he was asked about this song and uh, what his thought process was for writing it. And he said that for him, it was just a pure exercise in trying to write a 60s soul song, like a la Otis Redding. Okay. So, like, that's pretty cool. Like, that's what he was going for. I think he nails it with the song. Um, I really like his lyrics and his message. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that I understand where you're coming from, that some of it can be a little repetitive. Um, I think in terms of singer-songwriter, uh, he does fall into that a little more than, say, like, James Taylor. Yeah, and again, like um, I wasn't like, saying that to say that I didn't like it. Oh no, I liked it, but yeah, I understand because I liked all the from. tracks. I just had um, to come up with something to like some yeah, kind of. My critique. only negative is that um, Jolene. When I first heard this album, when I was fifteen, I thought it was a Dolly Parton cover, and then it wasn't, and I was sad. Uh, but the song is great. It's song's great really good. Song. But come on, fair enough. Okay, so gossip, gossip in the, the grain. grain. Uh, uh, yeah, another great job by Ethan Johns. I mean, so he Absolutely. produced this album again. He's on drums, bass, electric guitar, piano. Uh, he does the string arrangements again. He plays ukulele, percussion, Wurlitzer, backing vocals, and banjo even. Um, so again, again, it's just he's a, what makes this album great. Obviously, a huge yeah. list of things that he does. Right. So Ray obviously writes really good songs. But Ethan Johns is what really put these first couple of records. Absolutely. And this is Ray's third record. 
and all three of these first records were produced by Ethan Johns. Yeah. After this is also the last Ethan Johns record for Ray Lamontagne, I believe. I believe so. I believe but uh, he did just a, a, another phenomenal job. Again, you're not really going to find songs that are bad on this on this record. Um, it was fresh and exciting right away with "You Were the Best Thing." I felt like that yes. was a new direction for his sound. Yeah, very but very different. You still got classic Ray tracks if you like the first album um, as well. And the last couple of tracks, Falling Through and Gospel in the Grain, were just like really beautifully written songs. Yes. Um, um, I don't think you can go wrong here again. I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more with you on that. Uh, Tyler, what did you think? Because I'll, I'll speak last. Um, This is, I mean, this is going to sound like I'm not, you know, in support of him or whatnot, but um, I I totally am. I, this this album, to me, though, was it, it just kind of is a typical second album to me it kind of improves upon the first but is still very much in the same wheelhouse uh that's not i just want to clarify second that we listened to this is his right, third, third album, album. right but oh, I, yeah. it's this the yeah, point still sorry. carries i just yeah, want to be clear to the audience yeah. um i mean that's that's not a, a negative in any way i I I still liked it and enjoyed it. It it had it rang true to what the first album was to me. I feel like uh something can be said for consistency with somebody who's genuinely good at what they do because Absolutely. he was consistent in style and tone without ever once being repetitive. Yeah. For yeah, me, yeah. nothing ever mm-hmm. nothing ever seemed repetitive. I know there's a lot of artists who will come out and kind of find their sound and that just kind of stays their sound forever and it usually is kind of just like the same four chords or whatnot and yeah. it's really just what they sing about that changes um this was this was great this is like a perfect relax he's like a perfect relaxation artist uh artist sorry yeah. um uh, and really enjoyable to also like listen to his lyrics too. He's not there's there's some acoustic artists out there that I've listened to who have really nice sounding songs. Um and even non-acoustic artists have really nice um sounding songs. Um like for example that song um Fireflies by Owl City. Okay. It's like a really nice sounding song. Yeah. And really kind of like fun, but like when you sit down and look at the lyrics, you're like, w- w- what is what this is, right. even about? This <laughs> right. is this is just like candy canes and jelly beans, and sure. there's no there's no message here. There's no there. there. Yeah, he had he he has his songs have clear messages behind all of them. Like nothing needed to be explained to me. Like I didn't listen through all these albums, and then Nick or Pat was just like, "Oh, you love you love track twelve, right? That was about the Vietnam War." And I was like, "Oh, I have no idea." <laughs> <laughs> you know, nothing, nothing was you know super obscure or anything like that. It was yeah. just yeah. an all around good listening experience, straightforward and honest. Yeah, right. Uh, so I just want to say a couple things real quick. I really liked the title track, Gossip in the Grain. I thought it had a lot of dynamic quality in it with the lowered instruments and like yeah. it really felt a build. Um, I liked that he went for many different styles. I know you kind of touched on that. Yeah, right. I liked that there was a difference between like the more soulful horn intro and you are the best thing. Uh, the finger picking country for Hey Me, Hey Mama, which was like very different. And mm-hmm. I don't typically love country, but I thought he did a great job. Uh, the song that I wanted to point out um, when I was saying that I felt like a song might have been more well known 
was uh, Let It Be Me. Uh, that song was on TV a bunch. Okay, yeah, I hadn't heard that one before. Um, I liked it a lot, though. I really liked it a lot. Um, it was on a, a bunch of different episodes of different TV shows. Uh, so was Trouble, so it's probably a moot point because Trouble is right. the more famous one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's like a really power ballad song, honestly. Like, if you told mm-hmm. me that was like a Whitney Houston cover, I'd have believed you. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, right. And what I like that ha- song has a very unique melody to it as well. For sure. And Absolutely. Yeah, I really like when you can go somewhere unexpected with your vocal line, but it still sounds really great. Yes. And the last thing I want to point out before we move on, because I can't believe neither one of you talked about Meg White. Yeah, it's about the Meg White? It's like about the Meg White, White of the White Okay, Stripes. I wasn't it's, sure. Yeah, it's like a total homage to like her and Jack of the White, mostly her. Of, well, clearly. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was so funny. I'm laughing the whole time. Yeah. I who? did the same thing. I listened to it. Oh, uh, Tyler doesn't. Yeah, know the White Stripes are a band. We'll get to we'll, we'll get, get there to someday. them on the on the podcast. Yeah, she's a, she's the drummer for the. She's a band the drummer the for the White Stripes, and <laughs> I thought anyway. it was hilarious. And yeah. and she's a good drummer. Yeah, she's a very yeah. good drummer. Well, anyway, we're jumping ten years oh. ahead now to oh, the okay. current year uh, with Monovision, which is now well, Ray is the by current himself. year is twenty twenty. Did I say not say that? You just said current year. We're dropping oh, 10 current, years right. ahead okay, to current year. But yes. In, when these are archived for the That's future. Yeah, true. all those podcast listeners yeah. in, in the year 2025 who They'll are going back. I just can't understand yeah. this podcast That's without true. listening to season one. Yeah. So Monovision is all Ray. He does his own producing, mixing, engineering. He does all his own arrangements and every instrument. You can tell, I mean... I don't know how much happened in the in the years between when he worked with Ethan and and now, but he learned so much. Absolutely, he learned so much, and he sounds great on all the instruments. His uh, harmonies, now that he's doing them himself, he did some really unique and different vocal harmonies throughout this album. So, I well, I want to let you finish. No. But just touching on that, I'm very interested in the fact that he did all the harmonies because. It's the only time that I'll say this because I've talked to Nick and Tyler both about this. Uh, voices like Ray LaMontagne's always feel kind of forced to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Almost like they're being put on. Yeah. And I don't know if it is or not. I don't know if that's just the way he sings. That's fine. Uh, same thing with John Mayer. Like, they kind of have that quality of voice where it almost seems forced. Who? Yeah. <laughs> Stop saying who. Right. Yes, for please. people. <laughs> um, but uh, it works super well when you're harmonizing with yourself because there's still enough imperfections in your voice that it doesn't mm. perfectly sync up. Is that up. something that yeah. you could do, harmonize with yourself? Well, yeah. yeah if you, well, <laughs> in the studio, Now he's can. just being, now he's yes. just being. Um, I also thought his voice sounded better on this album than the first I time. thought it sounded better. I thought there was less grit in a mm. weird, in like in a good way. Uh, but the fact that there still was grit meant that uh, typically, like, I don't want to get too technical, but when you're harmonizing with yourself, it tends to lock a little too perfectly because it's the same frequency. Yes, right. I know exactly. So uh, the fact that he is able to change that and still have it sound good because of the way his voice is so gritty and mm-hmm. different is good. It's, yeah. It, it worked out really well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, other than than the things that I just said, um, every song was really great on this album again. I think it might even have been my favorite a- after first listen, and I really, really enjoyed the first two. There was just something about this album that I loved. I think songs like Weeping Willow really yeah. stand out. Highway to the Sun. Uh, you just can't go wrong again. So, track for track, please listen to the whole thing. I Absolutely. And I, I think you should listen to all of Ray LaMontagne. I think he's a very talented singer-songwriter. Uh, I probably still would have to say the first album's my favorite. 
And that's probably nostalgia talking because it's the first one I heard. I heard it when I was so much younger. Uh, so maybe on like future listens of Monovision, I might change my mind, but that's where I'm at right now. And I have to give uh, some minor props to Apple Music because they got better with the genre for this album. Really? Um, I don't like this genre title just because I feel like so many artists can fall under it, but this album they have under their singer-songwriter that's genre. That's good, at least. They that's, went there. That's correct, although I feel like to have a genre called singer-songwriter <laughs> kind of it's... encapsulates almost right. everyone, Yeah, but okay. <laughs> still, we're, we're wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, let's talk about our scores for Ray Lamont. Yes, yes. So, I think right off the bat, Cultural Impact is, is definitely going to just be his worst. So, I I want to be. I want to defend it just you a little can, bit, just a little bit here. But go um, right ahead. Give me a second of defense. I understand where you're coming from. I understand that not a lot of people know Ray LaMontagne's name, but I can't stress enough that so many of his songs have wound up in so many different popular mediums. You have definitely heard Ray LaMontagne, and I mean he's he was in uh, his song Shelter was in the film Prime. Uh, his song How Come was in the Devil Wears Prada. Jolene was in the Town. Uh, then I also said Trouble was on, you know, a bunch of different TV shows. Uh, and yeah. commercials. Yeah, I mean, I'll And the say, Traveler's Insurance commercial. Yes, hey, with the dog. Hey, I'll say this. Without Ray LaMontagne, how would we ever know that an episode of Scrubs was over? Yeah, we could see the credits, but we wouldn't have an instrumental song to, to let <laughs> us know. Well, that's, that's true. Fair. Uh, but I mean, his I song, still think it's low. I mean, like, I, I understand that because I don't think many people... A lot of his stuff... Right, just because you heard that song in a film the popular media. doesn't necessarily mean you know it was a Ray LaMontagne song. And I'm song not or saying he gets, that. you know, a 10 for that. Right. I'm just saying Wait, he doesn't get a Wait, what are you talking about? Do oh, people... he doesn't get a, like, Wait. I was thinking like a 2. Okay. Wait, Nick, what are you talking about? Do people out there not read every single individual credit that goes yes, on that's... a movie and a TV show? Believe it or not, you know, people who read the entire agreement every time they, like, sign up for something related to Apple are the same people impossible. who read all of the credits on it's a film. It's impossible to do that. Yeah, but every time I'm at the movie theater and I see a Marvel right movie, now. everybody stays until the credits are over. I you're not telling you're me they're staying for some other reason. They might be. But, again... I'm with Nick on this oh, one. Tyler. Definitely it's gotta be low. Tyler, Ray LaMontagne's song Trouble was on an episode of Torchwood. There you you know that show. Fair enough, but still. Yes, I do. I know that I, I really respect the argument you're trying to make because we all really thoroughly enjoyed Ray LaMontagne and yeah, we want him to I'm do well. I'm saying he gets a couple extra points for that, like a couple extra decimals. I, I think he gets a. I can give him two. Decimal I mean, point. like, I'm struggling to go higher than two. See, but you also don't watch TV. I watch Patrick, as a person who Look, does watch TV. Look, I want to give him high TV. scores on every other category. Patrick, as a person it's who does like, watch TV. Look, I'm not yeah. saying he gets I, I can't, crazy I can't give him higher than a point I'm two. I'm just saying he A point two. Extra. Oh, wow. Point two extra. See, you, oh, this okay. is who you're aligning yourself with. Look, you know. I mean, maybe give him a one. Wow. So he's willing to give you a one, and I was willing to give you a two. No, I'm so. willing to. Balance that out, 1.5. There you go. No, I'm willing to give you a two. So you're saying you're a three, Tyler's a one, and I'm a two, and we average out to a two. Yes. And we move on. I don't like that you guys put labels on me, though. I know. We shouldn't have. So his Breath of Work, he's got eight studio albums. He started in 2004. They've mostly come out every two years except for a gap between 2010 and 2014. But yeah. other than that, he's put out an album pretty steadily every two years. Uh, sure. So I would argue that they're all 
probably I didn't hear a bad song on three albums that we listened I to. I would agree. I would say they're all above average in quality. Agreed. And he's above average in uh, amount because sixes are agreed upon average. Correct. But the one thing that's bad for him here is his best-selling album was 529,000 copies in the US. It Correct. was gold. He had one gold album. Uh he did decently. Um, well, it went platinum in, in Britain. Right, exactly. So in the but UK, I, he went platinum, gold, and then silver, and then fell in off. Britain is only 500,000 units. Which which makes sense because know, just, of the population differences and all. Just so everybody, but, everybody, when I think of platinum, I think of a million. Uh, right. And, but obviously, it would be different for different countries depending on, you know, there your, your population. There's only one country. It's America. That was the most American thing you've ever said on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but you know, as oh, much as I want to sarcasm over the mic, right? I think so. So I want to give him at least a five here because I felt like every single song that he's put out you is really strong. Okay, I was. You're usually kind of in the, but they didn't sell any records. And I agree. Camp. I'm, but I'm. I'm that's. Uh, I am taking points away for that. Okay. But here, typically, we go. Five or six albums equals average, right? And, and then, then we quality balance quality adds points, right? And so I would add, but then I would lower be sales subtracts points, points for quality. Then how many points are you subtracting for sales? Subtracting two points for sales. so you want to give them a six? Yeah, I'm okay with that. That's where I was thinking. I mean, yeah, take that's... away some points for the sales. The fact that he's not selling, right? That was within the range that I was willing yeah. to go to. I think, um, Tyler, are you agreeing with us on that? I am going to neither agree or disagree, but oh, instead I'm going to pause and err and ah like I'm thinking about it and then side with Pat. That's fine. Oh, I, I also sided with Pat once he gave me, once he, when you throw out a six, I mean, that was well within the range of acceptability for me. Instrumental talent. His voice is unique. Yes. It's not great, but it's unique. It's, it's good. It's good. It's good. As a guitarist, he's sitting there strumming chords on an acoustic guitar. It's not special. I have yeah. immense respect for what he did by the last album. Yeah, so here's so here's my thing. Um, and maybe it's because we didn't get to him before we got mm -hmm. to James Taylor. Yeah. I mean, because you got to kind of compare the singer-songwriter acoustic guitarist yeah, with the that? other one. and James I mean, Taylor's better. <laughs> James Taylor's better. He's yeah. a better instrumentalist. Definitely. Um, Singing wise, I mean, they have different styled voices. I think James Taylor is a better pure singer. Um, possibly. I, I ask me on a different day, and yeah. I might have a different oh, answer. Right. But I mean, just what he does instrumentally. Yeah. So again, I I probably wouldn't go any higher than a six here. I no. think it's definitely weaker than his songwriting talent and poetic talent are both going to be his or probably his two highest categories. So for me. I would say probably my my gut assumption would be to just give him a five. Okay. But I'm willing to give him some bonus points for the last album for Monovision. So yes, he recorded all right. of those extra instruments I, I agree. by himself. So maybe we put him up to like a five and a half. I give I'm massive okay credit five for and a half. I'm all okay the arrangements. Anywhere in between a five and a six. Okay, okay so five and a half it is. <laughs> five and a half it is. All right. So songwriting talent. Uh, the one thing that I always like to bring up here is: uh, Did he reinvent the wheel here? No. Did all no. of his albums kind of like? do something different for the genre or really show some kind of musical growth that changed things a little bit, I would say no. But I was every album very good? Did he write the songs well? Was he doing all the arrangements by the end? Uh, was he at least starting to vary his style by the second album we listened to? Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
So I still looking at the scores, I still think this is probably his highest category. We don't have to go too much over a six, but I do think he deserves to be uh, on the higher side of six. Like, I, and by saying that, I mean I'm up just above a six. Okay. Um, I can agree with you on that. Um, I was I was probably going to put him in the the high fives. Okay. Myself, uh, because I I nobody really knows exactly how much Ethan Johns had to do with the arrangements, especially the yeah. horns and stuff. And you're absolutely right. But and I know he did the string arrangements. Yes, he definitely did. I think knowing that Lamontine was able to still make a great album. Yeah, and that's kind of what swayed me to putting him in the the low sixes. Exactly. Right, so even if he didn't, maybe his first two albums, we would have put him in the five somewhere. Yeah. But he's shown enough growth that I think he can be bumped up a little bit. So what do you think, a 6-2, Yeah, I wouldn't have gone higher. 6-2, I think, is right on the money. 6-2 works. Okay, good. And then Poetic Talent. I mean, I think we all really enjoyed, like everybody kind of touched on at one point, his his lyrics and how much we kind of really enjoyed the stories behind them. Uh, or what he was talking about, his message. Yeah. Again, another stronger category for him, I would argue. Um, I would agree. Maybe his strongest? Um, it's close. I think it is his strongest, mm-hmm. because I, it's it's tough to do what he did, which is always write about your experiences, not vary the tone of the song that much, and yeah. still create good music over and over again that people listen to. Yeah, well said. Uh, so, I mean, I would argue to put him like high sixes, almost a seven. Okay. Yeah. So when you were saying that the number that popped into my head was seven. Yeah. So if you're more in the high sixes to I seven, mean, I, like you a can, 6.8. I can, I can consider a seven. While we're being like, like, let's go with a 6.8 just because sure. we're, we're kind of in that. Unless Tyler is at like a Unless four. Tyler. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And then we'll go 12. Yes. You're yes at a four. Okay, six point eight. Tyler's not actually here, and we're just using old clips of him. Yeah, we're just like dubbing him in, like <laughs> words that he said in the past. Uh, okay, yes, <laughs> perfectly done. So there's not an X factor here. I don't think no. we need to. Yeah, definitely no X factor. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I hate when you guys put the pressure on me with those other categories because you know if somebody can get in front of me and strum a guitar and make it sound like a song, I'm like, you are a ten. Right. So. Um, okay, fair enough. I am here. Oh, I know. We, yeah. we knew you were here. All right. You don't have the editing talent to use old no. clips to yeah, make it sound well, that I is certainly remotely don't. Natural. untrue. Pat, my, I legitimately I did that exact thing for that episode that was lost to time. Oh, right, right. I missed that one. Okay, so Government Mule. Government Mule. So Government Mule is an American Southern rock jam band formed in 1994. So it was a side project, actually, of a couple of guys who were playing in the Allman Brothers band at the time, yes. Warren Haynes and Alan Woody. Warren Haynes had been one of the guitarists that had been brought on later on in the game as the Dwayne Allman. So there were other replacements yeah. in between, but then Warren Haynes came in. Do they have any relation role. to the Cashew Kids or the Peanut Sisters? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Uh, and then it's Alan Woody. It's not the Allman yes. Brothers. <laughs> we know that. Everybody <laughs> knows that. Uh, but um, Alan Woody was the the bassist who was who joined the Allman Brothers around the same time as Haynes did, and uh, up until Woody's death, those were the two kind of main guys in Government Mule, as well as drummer Matt Apts, yeah. and then they've really just had an array of other musicians in and out 
that have yeah. pl- been featured on all their albums. And we'll see that more as we talk about all their different albums. Uh, but the three that we're specifically going to look at are the eponymous first album, Government Mule, uh, By a Thread, and then their most recent album, Revolution Come, Revolution Go. Yeah, so, so we're talking, I mean, between the first and second albums, it's a 14-year difference. Right, with lots of albums in between. Yeah. So, and then another eight years in between. So, I mean, this is quite a, a three stages of a band here. Very consistently great throughout those three I phases. Would I would agree argue. with you. Um, so, my uh, positives about the first album. Please. Uh, one, it features John Popper on harmonica. Yes, which, which is, is interesting. The first of those many cameos uh, yes. we'll talk about. Uh, for those of you who don't know, John Popper is the lead singer and harmonica player for the Blues Traveler Band. Yeah. And if you're playing uh, Six Degrees of Totem Talks at home, on this album, they cover Mr. Big by Free, who we discussed yes, a few episodes that ago. That is true. I don't think anybody's playing that. <laughs> <I'm>, I <laughs> play that every week when I do the research. Um, so I thought that uh, the first. The first song, Grinning in, Grinning in Your Face, if I remember how to speak, you know. Uh, I thought it was good. I, I really appreciated the kind of, like, acapella intro and then into, like, the full band kind of explosion that happens where you're like, whoa, this is a this is more than what it just was. Um, and all throughout, um, I thought that it was just really well done. You could tell that these guys all were very experienced when they joined this group. Absolutely. Like, a lot of times when you hear a band's first album, it's kind of shaking off the the newness shaking off and getting some of that experience uh we've definitely had that a lot on this show so hearing a band already well put together was pretty interesting uh the negative i had for this album which was a big one uh mm-hmm. it's hard to find yeah yeah i'm shocked because every single other one yeah, of their albums I mean, is easy this, to find p- this particular album was not available on any streaming platform yeah which is just bizarre. Uh, yeah, so we had to play the YouTube is. game, not a sponsor. Mm-hmm. To I mean, that's what I did to get. Yeah, the likewise. Yeah, and that's so, that's, that's pretty much the only. It, yeah, that's that pretty it's, much it's not available. The only one. Um, another thing about this album that I think is a huge positive that just shows the quality of the players is that it was mostly recorded live. So basically, these guys yes. sat down in the studio. And just started playing the songs. Yeah. They didn't layer them in track by track to make sure that it was perfectly done in every little way. And they, you know, did it a thousand times to get it exactly right. They just sat down and played the songs together and just killed it. And And you can tell with the way these songs transition into each other on the album that that's what's happening. At the same time. Yeah. So really well done. Good shake. Uh, shakeups like the way it opens acapella there's a song yeah. called Dolphinaeus which is a great acoustic change of pace in the middle of this hard blues rock album that's like it's yeah. really hard to describe a lot of these songs other than just like writing next to them hell yeah with an exclamation point <laughs> uh that's kind of how well, I described listen, a lot of them. I would I would like to let's talk more about uh the other albums that were available for streaming uh Tyler if you have anything to say about the first album, go ahead. But I want you to talk about the second album first. What? I would like you to be the first person to talk about By a Thread. Ah, okay. But you still want me to say something about the other one? Correct. As long as you want to. Say whatever you want. This is, you know, no no judgment here. Okay, well, here comes the F word. Uh, no. <laughs> um, uh, Stands I, for freedom. I didn't listen. I, did, I, I didn't listen to the first album because I couldn't find it. And I wasn't going to play the YouTube game. Not going to feed that chicken. So um, I listened to Does instead. And uh, okay. I enjoyed it. 
Um, same with um, By a Thread, the uh, second album that we listened to mm-hmm. that I could actually find. Um, this is just, I mean, this is just a good rock album. I mean, I don't know if that's yeah. just being too vague with genreing it, but um, kind of to echo what you guys were saying before, I mean, listening to them, these are clearly guys who don't just know how to play their instruments. They understand everything that their instruments can do. And, you know, you telling me that they just went in the studio and sat down and played until it was over didn't surprise me at all because none of these musicians sounded like they didn't know what they were doing. I mean, every, every, I mean, I'm even talking about the singer too. It just sounded like they, they came in and went it. If you told me mm-hmm. that they didn't even have these songs written and they just came out and just winged a whole show, I could have believed yeah. you. Yeah. Cause this, I mean, it, it's not very common that I listen to a group where all the instruments just fit exactly where they need to go and there's not one instrument that'd be like oh it was really good but i didn't like the intro with like with with that or i felt like the guitar was you know kind of a little but i mean there's there is something to be said for that because that does make those songs you know specifically unique to those artists or performers but these guys i mean i i you'd be hard pressed to to find a good cover of one of their songs that i would probably enjoy because i feel like each of their songs is kind of like that's just how the song goes like we've listened we've listened to other artists in music where it was just kind of like oh wow they're really good and i like this song oh but did you hear the cover by somebody else they made it like a swing style like yeah (laughs) listening to these guys was like this is just exactly where this music needs to be so interesting that you say that because Government Mule is super well known as like a live band who does mm-hmm. a lot of covers, and there are a lot of so really they make a lot gems. of a lot of songs that are exactly what you were just talking about. They do that; they make a lot of songs their own with their style. So yeah, I, I, I really, mean, and that's yeah. fine. I'm not I'm not saying yeah, I know. there's anything wrong against cover bands, obviously, but um, just you know their their own unique stuff that weren't covers, was right? Just so. It just worked so well, so uniquely them. I don't mm-hmm. know if listening to a cover of one of those songs would have the same impact to me as listening to their version because it gotcha. just kind of every yeah. instrument mixed with each other like just mm-hmm. the right way. I mean, it's kind of like you take a jigsaw puzzle, you put it together, and you have a picture. Totally. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of cool to take another jigsaw puzzle and put it together and see what kind of different picture you can make. That's still an art form, but this was just kind of like, there you go. Like, you did it. If you want to totally. listen to a good rock album, like, this is a good, like, this is just a good rock group. Yeah. I won't call them Government Mule because that's not how they chose to spell it. So they're Guffed Mule. But... <laughs> yeah. Okay. For anyone who's not Tyler and knows the abbre- abbreviation for the word government, yes, it's I have G-O-V a lot of apostrophe T. For Guffed Mule. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, this album, another great album. Every song's awesome. The big additional personnel person on this album on the first track is Billy Gibbons, yeah, guitarist Billy Gibbons. from ZZ Top. And he really helps make that song broke down on the Brazos really rock. Yep. Really great funky breaks throughout that song. Uh, I don't have much more to say about it, but I'll pick three tracks that I think are really fantastic. Oh, can I guess? Please. I would guess you're going to talk about, you already mentioned broke down on the Brazos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monday morning meltdown. That's ex- that's the first one I was going to say. Uh, inside outside woman blues number three. That's a great one, but I wasn't going to mention it. Actually, I'm just going for the longest tracks. Oh yeah, okay, understandable. Um, and then stepping lightly. So 
All great guesses, all great <laughs> songs. The ones I specifically wanted to pick out, besides Monday Morning Meltdown, I knew were uh, that one Forevermore, like... because that was the acoustic change of pace song for the album, sure, which I yeah, really liked. Okay. And then uh, Scenes from a Troubled Mind, which I thought was really interesting and great really, lyrically. Really, really good. Uh, and that actually featured uh, Gordy Johnson, uh, the front man for the rock band Big Sugar. Good to know. Uh, on backing vocals. Yeah, lots, lots of those uh, additions and cameos. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I really enjoyed this album. Uh, I really liked the psychedelic song, Monday Morning Meltdown. Uh, I really liked, they kind of did a lot of different genres within their genre. Mm-hmm. So like they had like country rock and railroad boy, which is a traditional that they arranged. Yeah. Uh, then they had like the psychedelic rock, uh, blues rock with Inside Outside Woman. Like they had a lot of different styles of rock while staying in rock. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, moving on to their last album, uh, so far. I'm, right, I'm, yeah, I'm, there will be more, I'm sure. Uh, Revolution Come, Revolution Go. Uh, again, another banger. Yeah, I mean, hey, another yeah not banger. a bad track Super on the good. album. Uh, I would say that Stone Cold Rage, the opening track, may be their best lyrical song to date. I get that. I really enjoyed the lyrical aspect of that song. Um, it was the first song where I was like, very impressed with the poem itself. Okay. Um, I like the build up in Pressure Under Fire. Um, and again, I just really like a lot of the different styles they do. Uh, Revolution mm-hmm. Come, Revolution Go, the title track. I really loved the kind of like jazzy bass riff going yeah, on. Yeah, the bass line was great. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, Traveling Tune, again, kind of had that like kind of haunting, eerie poem about it. Mm-hmm. A cleaner sound than a lot very of the other clean, songs, which yeah. is very good. Really let him kind of come through vocally, which I thought was really good. Yeah. My um, favorite was Dreams and Songs on okay. the whole record. I think that was my, my favorite tune. And maybe maybe my favorite solo that he did on these three albums. Sure. But other than that, I mean, the songs that you were talking about, I would have made pretty much all the same comments. Uh, another great album straight through. This one. Happened to come out on my birthday in 2017 on June 9th. Yeah, right. We had an album for each of our birthdays. Yes. Um, Real quick, I just want to point out kind of the state of mind that they were in for this because I really enjoy that. I enjoy kind of seeing where they were. They exclusively kind of wrote and recorded this album during the 2016 election. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, It was, yeah, it was recorded right around that time. Sure, that makes sense. I think it was like October to like January of 2016, right. 2017. And when you hear that, you can tell. Right. You can definitely kind of tell like, oh, there's there's some stuff. There's some messages right. being sent. Things said. are happening. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to kind of, you know, put that out there before Tyler said his piece. Absolutely. I thought album was good. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you for that. Well, I don't know. Like, you guys come in with all the intelligent backstory. And I mean, I, I get it. I don't do the research. I'm supposed to be, like, you know, the blind fool. And <laughs> we never doing put a, you there. Doing a great job play, as the fool. Yeah. I play that card well. Um, but you also, <laughs> we, we like, never said you know, you have an education. Do the research. Yeah. But, like, you also have, like, an education in music and everything. So you go, oh, well, the tone and the arpeggios. And I don't know. It was good. You just used more technical <laughs> terms than I <laughs> That's used. That's true. It was, it was good. Right. You guys ruined music for me. So sorry. No, it's a good album. Yeah. It's it's good. It it ranks right up there with the other ones. I yeah. mean, if if you, if you want to listen to a good rock group, this is right there for you. Yeah. Um. A couple notes I'm going to throw in before we uh grade them. 
if you're going to listen to some of these live track covers and stuff, the number one best cover that they ever did was Whiter Shade of Pale by Procol Harum. Just yeah. murdered that song. Fantastic. And some of the many different featured artists that they've had on their album, you know what I mean, that they've had on their albums uh, in between that we didn't get to talk about include Jerry Cantrell from Alice in Chains, Greg Allman, Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Phil Lesh of the Grateful Dead, Chris Squire of Yes, John Entwistle of The Who, Jack Bruce from Cream, and tons more. It's just like phenomenal how many people that are huge in music want to come play with this band. Cool. And that's all I needed to say for Forward Radio. Let's score them. So cultural impact also, unfortunately, low. Nobody knows who they are. If you were talking about musicians, it would be high, clearly, based on what I just said. But we're talking about the general public, and they don't know this band. There's not even like a one-hit wonder that I can point to to say, like, oh, everybody knows that one government mule song. Guys, I'm going to throw some numbers at you completely at random, and you can throw them into the categories in order, and I think it'll fit them well. Remember, these numbers are all completely random and don't come from any source. Okay. Eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. There you go. I see what he did there. Uh, But I mean, (laughs) look, I want so badly to give them a high score, but I can't do it for cultural impact. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. As much as I enjoyed their music, you can't give them a higher score than Ray LaMontagne. Oh, absolutely. Because they don't even have any known songs. On popular media. Right. Super unfortunate. Yeah. Super unfortunate. I can't say any more how great these guys are, but they're just not known. And they have to be super, probably lower than a one because they don't even have a song that people know. Do you think no, we I should? I can't put them lower than a one. Do you think we so should reach out? So many hugely popular people have worked with them. Okay, and I will say, like, they are very popular in the live music, the festival scene. Sure. Like, okay. It's it it's more than that. Okay. I think they're in the ones because like the festival scene isn't exactly most of the popular culture of the right. world, but they're definitely not under a one. Maybe like a one point three. Okay. Do you think we should reach out to their manager and like get them to do an insurance commercial? Because that seems yeah. that seems to be like the, <laughs> the pedestal for Pat. Right. Yeah. That's how you know whether or not you've made it to the big important time. Artist skill. Yeah. All right. Based on what you're saying, I mean, I'd be willing to go. That high of a score. I'd be willing to go 1.3, but just know that I feel like it's unfortunately lower than that. But I'm happy that we're talking them up. Yeah. Uh, Breath of Work. I think they have something like 14 studio albums and tons of live albums as well. All of which we thoroughly enjoyed. I would say we I did. I mean, I don't think they put out a bad track. I would be shocked if any of these other albums had stinkers. They only had one album go gold, though, which was the Deepest End Live in Concert. Yes. So, way more than the average band in terms of material. Above average in terms of quality, but well below in terms of sales again. So, we're kind of in that same yeah. boat as Ray LaMontagne. But they've put out more albums. I mean, that's which I mean, they put out more albums, which gives them a higher score. Yeah, I, I think not by much though, because no, they haven't really sold. Number. Yeah, so maybe like slightly over a six, like to the six two ish range. I would say maybe like a six three, because I liked every song so much. I'm not going to argue with that. I extra think a point six, one. Well, because there are significantly more albums than Ray LaMontagne. Yeah, you're you're right. You're right. So, and that's fair. So, before I say my piece for instrumental, I have one thing. That has to be said. Sure. I think Warren Haynes is a killer guitarist and an excellent vocalist for the style that he does. 
I listened to lots of not the entirety, but lots of their album Dark Side of the Mule. Yeah. Where where they did exclusively Pink Floyd covers. I'm shocked you managed to listen to that. And you no, love Pink Floyd so much. I, right. It really just separates the great guitarists from the best of all time. Like trying to listen to Haynes play the solos that Gilmore played or even play on the songs that Gilmore played on. It's just like, oh, he's great. But then there's this whole other level that only like three or four guitarists will ever get to. And he's not there. So that's that's all I have to say. I mean, I really think that they're all great as musicians. And the songs are fantastic. They really play well all the time. Yeah. They've got to get a really high, probably their highest score they're going to get for the whole episode is going to be here on Instrumental Talent. But they're not quite I, at that elite level. They're not quite at I that. I do just want to say that Rolling Stone ranked Warren Haynes as the 23rd best guitarist of all time. And we have, and they also ranked two of the worst albums ever in their top 210. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know why we value the opinion of some band from the 60s. I see what you did there. That's a great point. But uh, again, I mean, he's just great, but not. I'm reading their top list right now. Yeah, I would would, be happy. No, it's terrible. I've read it before. We'll have to talk Um, about this later. So, instrumental talent, I'm like in the eights for them. Okay. I'm in the eights, I'm not quite into the nights. 7.9. 7.9. Okay. Pat, where are you? Um, I legitimately would probably be putting them in like the 8.3, 8.2 range. Okay. So let's let's say like 8.1 and that'll kind of average kinda out with Tyler. Out, yeah. uh, but they definitely deserve to be in like They're one of the They're highest bands that we've talented. looked at so far. They are extremely Absolutely. talented musicians. Okay. Songwriting talent. Uh, Warren Haynes does write most of the songs on these albums that yes. we said that they're known for covers and a lot of that stuff is live. But for the most part on their records, Haynes is writing like 90% of the songs at least. Yeah, definitely. And he's doing it ably, I would say. Um, In terms of the music, we've said that they kind of move around to, you know, all within the same genre, but they touch on different areas within that genre. And I think they, you know, they've never done anything that wasn't good. But I struggle to put them super high here because it's like it's Southern fried blues rock on every album. You know what you're going to get like within that genre. They're going to hit every part of the continuum and they're going to, you know, do every kind of style within there really well. But they're not going to leave that area. So for me, it's a probably a little bit above average just because I think every song that they wrote was good. But it yeah. can't be more than like a five one or a five two because it's I was not innovative. I right at a five personally myself. Okay, for the same reason. It's, yeah, it's they they do shift within the genre, but the, they're not reinventing the wheel. And when you get above a five, that usually means there has to be something that's like holy crap. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't see. I don't know if I'd go five. I'd probably go somewhere between one and ten. Well, that's exactly well, that's, between. So yeah, we'll go so there perfect. for you. Uh, poetic talent. Uh, there were songs that showed sparks of a lot of talent, and then yeah. there were songs that were just kind of your classic bluesy throwaway lyrics, which work for them yeah. but aren't special. I mean, like I said, I really enjoyed uh, a lot more of the lyric stuff off the last album. Yeah, Stone Cold Range, Traveling Tune. You know, right, and there was really there was good stuff them. before that, like I mentioned, Scenes from a Troubled Mind is one of the yeah, also one really of the better one. ones. Um. 
So they had the potential to be good lyric writers, but they didn't always feel like they needed to bother with yeah. like going intensely on the lyrics, which makes no. sense for their style. Like I get it, but it does I mean, hurt them a bit. Just just for the sake of being concise here, I'm st- I'm not thinking any higher than the last one. Maybe a five. Yeah, I'm fine with a five. Okay, we I'm can fine do with a five. five. Yeah, because for the most part, they're not doing any damage. Yeah, but then they really do show some sparks. Yeah. on on other songs, and I think that's now. The interesting part here is X Factor. Do they get anything? I would personally give them some X Factor because remember, X Factor is not just a cultural thing. It can be whatever. I think the fact that so many incredible musicians are are willing and love to work with them both on albums and especially live. Right. That deserves an X Factor. I agree. Uh, yeah, you know, I, it definitely that's goes a long definitely way. Definitely, like a unique thing for Government Mule right. is that they have so many people talking about them. Exactly, it shows you how special they are, and also another live version with Dave Matthews all along the Watchtower. Yeah, phenomenal. So, are you thinking like a half a point of X Factor, or were you higher than that? I mean, I I'm think thinking, maybe a half point I'm is about a half right. Point. Okay, which yeah, we've got a nice. Uh, dead heat cook in between our first couple of um, contenders and that's going to bring us to our third and final band of the day which is Blind Faith this episode of Totem Talks like every episode of Totem Talks is brought to you in part by Anchor if you haven't heard about Anchor yet it's the easiest way to make a podcast so let me explain a few things first of all it's free second of all there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on all sorts of uh, listening platforms such as Spotify and Apple as well as many others. And then you can also make money from your podcast without a minimum listenership. Essentially, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. To get started, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Okay. Could I just say, well, no, do your introduction, and then I'll say my piece. <laughs> okay. Sure. So, Blind Faith, uh, they were an English supergroup. Um, you know, we talked about supergroups in a few episodes ago mm-hmm. with the Cornell episode. Uh, here we are again. Uh, this one has Steve Winwood, Eric Clapton, Ginger Baker, and Rick Greck. Mm-hmm. Is it Gretch? I, I think it's Gretch. I, I don't know, though. Yeah. I've never spoken with him. <laughs> yeah, we never had conversations with him. Uh, but it was... Pretty much a uh, amalgamation of the group Cream and then the group Traffic. Right, with Rick Gretsch coming from the group family. With, yes. Yeah. Uh, but it was Steve Winwood and Eric Clapton kind of formed the group and then went from there. So they released one album, which is the album we talked about, which is Blind Faith. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an eponymous album. Now, before we get too far into the album, we should talk about the album cover. It has, it has, it has to, to be, be at least noted. about because yeah. it's weird. That's the nicest thing it's you weird. could say about it's it. It's weird. It, and uh, this album cover was banned in the U.S. I believe when it was first at it, one point. It yeah, first came out. Um, there's definitely I some mean, controversy. I mean, rightfully so. Right, absolutely, rightfully. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, saying oh, there's a little bit of controversy about this album. So, like, well, we were guy, getting there. Like, so, no, okay. like you're trying to dress it up, guys. The album cover is just a topless 
11 year old girl like so, that's but there's underage a story. in Europe too. there's a story about it no 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 the story yeah. makes it worse the story, the story makes does it make it worse you gotta listen to it Okay, so the story We're telling is telling Tyler the story for the first yeah. time as well. So the uh, the artist who want, the photographer who was working on this album cover actually originally approached this girl's sister who was fourteen, and then after having her you know do some modeling work for this cover, he was like, "Eh, she's too old for the effect that I want with this picture. Can I use your younger sister who so asked if she could have a horse as payment?" for uh modeling for this album cover and instead she received 40 pounds yeah well it's almost like when you're 11 you're not old enough to make intelligent decisions about your body i mean that is correct neither were (laughs) either one of their parents yeah and and i'll and i'll also and also just say this like oh you're too old to get like what i want for this it's album. It's creepy. It's just it's just yeah. an eleven year old girl with no shirt on it's holding creepy. an airplane. Yeah. Against like the worst conceived backdrop ever. Right. I'm go- it's so- it's like I don't know if any of our listeners are are from the good old L Town area, Levittown folks listening, but it's like if Chocolate Truck came together and made an album cover. Those terrible, oh terrible people from the Nishamani School District just okay. got together and made an album cover. Okay. That's what the album cover is. So, anyway. And can I move on to my next issue that I have with uh, the fact that you made me listen to this album? Please. Oh, you guys told me this was a super group. Now, this is the second super group we've listened to, and I'm guessing that the word super in that really just doesn't hold a lot of water. Because... This was one of the most generic and forgettable albums you've ever made me listen to. This is like, oh, we need uh, some some 60s rock and roll to play in the background while something interesting happens on screen. Oh, I don't know if you're personally offended. Throw this not. album on. Nick yeah. does love it. So I love this album, and <laughs> it was it had been a while since I listened to it all the way through, and it was better than I remembered. Oh, wow. Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, everything about it is great. I love all. There are only six songs. Uh, Can't find my way home. I think is one of the best songs ever written. Look, I think it not... should be on uh, the best of album for Steve Winwood's career. It should be on the best of album for Eric Clapton's career. It's just an incredible tune. It's not bad. But when you throw the word supergroup at me, well, it's you because Cream and Traffic were two of the biggest groups in England at the time. I, I mean, it, but it's just like this is just. A good '60s rock album. This okay, not, so like, you're like, you're backtracking to good. No, now. no, like nothing jumped out at me. Nothing really stayed with me, but nothing like a- annoyed or offended me about okay. it. Like this fits the '60s rock genre perfectly if you put this in a playlist with a whole bunch of other 60s rock groups i wouldn't suddenly hear one of their songs come on i was like oh what have you done but this I doesn't do just think it should be pointed out that I, I don't know if this is going to set you off even more tyler it's only six songs long and one of them's a cover that's true so which is funny so it's well all right by buddy holly yeah and um I I knew this version of the song. I love Buddy's version of the song. But the definitive version of the song for me has always been Santana's version from uh, the album Inner Secrets, which yeah. I highly recommend. But uh, listening back to this one, I forgot how much I actually really loved this cover version of it, too. I thought it was excellent. 
Uh, Presence uh, of the listen. Lord is a huge Clapton song. That's like Presence one of his of the biggest Lord is the best songs. Song on the album. I Happy mean, Pride I, I, I thought love. that before I heard that it was just Clapton. I'll give him. I no. mean, I'll give I can't him, find my way home. Is the best song on the album. I'll give him some props. I, that's fine. <laughs> we can disagree. It's no big deal. I, I'll give him some props. They managed to slap together five tracks that were legitimately enjoyable to listen to, yeah. but in my opinion, did not hit the you know, super group title that you guys boasted about. We did uh, not then, we That is anything. just the name yeah. of the what it's called. And, yes. then and they, I agree that it puts too much pressure on the group. That's fair. And then after you listen to the first five tracks and go, that was, you know, an all right 60s rock experience. They slap you with a 15 minute track six Could that goes on way really longer good. than anybody I, would ever want to listen to I wanted to listen to the full, okay. full 15 minutes. So, but that's Nick, okay. I know you love long songs. I do. I could not agree more with Tyler here. If that song was like an eight-minute song... I would be okay with that. I would. I would I'd say to trim three so minutes off. Of well, and that's fine, but I'm, I'm, I would put that at about eight minutes. But it so felt to me like six songs and a certain amount of time are kind of the bare minimum of an EP, which is what this is. Mm, I see where you're going. Play. And it feels so much to me like they got recorded through five and went, this song needs to be X length or we're not an EP and we're going to have to yeah. write a whole new one. And they just went, well, we'll just improv in the middle of the last song. Right. And interestingly enough, it's the only song credited to Ginger Baker on the yeah. album. So I just, I want that to be noted um, that I agree with Tyler there. That song was too long and it felt, purposely like filler okay i get it i get it um, um let's go into scores yeah, because I actually, it's, one, it's one album i had one really quick thing i have to say between noun scores which is just that to tie everything together we talked about ethan johns quite a bit earlier today yes. his father glenn johns actually was a record producer uh and engineer who worked with bands like Zeppelin, the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, the Who, Eagles, Clapton, Dylan, almost anyone you can think of. And he actually worked with Eric Clapton with uh, his solo career, Steve Winwood in Traffic, and also Rick Gretsch with The Family. He yeah. recorded some of their albums, too. So it's funny how it all just ties together. And now we can go into grading. Yes, let's go into scores here. Um... Cultural Impact, I think they're maybe the name of this band is maybe bigger than the other two that we've looked at today. Mostly because they're associated with Clapton and Winwood. Yeah, I mean that's true. Uh, culturally, they're probably the highest, but they're still below average. I agree. I, I mean, agree. I might be putting them at like a like a three five max. I was gonna go three, honestly. I'm fine with that. I kind of yeah. was just. It's got to be higher than the other two. I mean, of the the Clapton bands, I would say obviously Cream and the Yardbirds would all rank higher. Maybe Derek and the Dominoes as yeah. well. No, I would just so. I would say Cream then Eric Clapton. And then the rest of them are all kind of well. Derek the and the Dominoes had Layla, which is a Layla. Huge, you know what? Good point as with huge Layla. as you can get um, in rock music. But anyway, so breadth of work. I wouldn't say six songs, that. and one of them was a cover. This has obviously got to be their weakest category. I mean, legitimately, I know they were all good. It's six songs. Yeah, right. They re- if they I, get I, a two, were generous. Five. I agree. It's five songs. Five, five in a cover. Five, yeah, five in a cover. Mm-hmm. Four in a cover. I'm not right. counting six. Well, I am. You have to count. Yeah, it, it. it was recorded and released. So it's got to... It can, it's, it can subtract points I mean, you, but... they. How, how well did the record sell? I mean, I think very well. It was pretty popular at the time. So, you know, take that into consideration from the point where it's like a one for one record. 
but then maybe give them a little yeah. bit of bonus points because it sold well. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can do that. I'm okay with that. Like a 1.2. I mean, it's been it's been ranked very highly. They're mm-hmm. ranked very highly as a one album wonder. Absolutely. Uh, but it's still, I okay, fine. We can rank them a little bit higher. For 1.2. I think 1.2 works. That's I, fair. I really had to consider it because I, I understand, yikes, but yeah, but I mean, two huge songs came off yeah. of that album at least. Um, instrumental talent. So I know we're going to factor in the fact that there's only six songs again, but if you just look at the quality of players on this album, Eric Clapton, widely considered one of the greatest guitarists of all time. Ginger Baker, widely regarded as one of the greatest rock drummers of all time. Steve Winwood, a fantastic vocalist and keyboard player. But it's high. It's as individuals, they all rank very highly. But we have made it a point on this podcast. I agree that we rank based on the songs themselves. Correct. We may be able to give some points Mm -hmm. for how good they are outside of it. I think within these, you know, six Mm -hmm. instrumental songs. Right. They're okay. They're they're not. Okay. Nothing is insanely wild. Right. You're not going to get the highlight of their career in terms of At musicality uh, from some of their strongest songs, but not in terms of like what's really great about their playing. Yeah. I think that's fair. And um, so I mean, I I love Winwood's vocals on on these songs. Sure, that's fine. Uh, I think they're he's definitely above average as a singer. I mean, legitimately. I would be. I would have a hard time giving them over a five for the album. I I get I would where give you're every from. member of the band individually high score. Yeah, as a band, I'd put them at a five. Okay. I think you know, just uh, maybe it's just lack of. I sample. mean, I might be a little bit higher than you, but not crazy higher than you. I would maybe and be closer Tyler's to five like and a, a half. He I hates know. The song. I know he's having a hard time separating that, but uh. Can we average out somewhere? I don't know. Look, I, I'll be, you know, I like I like the songs with the exception of the last one. Um, but like I said before, nothing stuck with me. Nothing, nothing was bad. Right. Nothing yeah. was out of place, but yeah. nothing stuck with me like stuff that these guys have done on their own have stuck with me. Fair. So, yeah. okay. So, what do you want, Nick? Like a five-one? Yeah, that's fine. Fine. Give Just to go give over, over. Because to be clear, like Clapton and Baker as individuals are both in the nines easily. I would not disagree. Yeah. Okay. Uh, songwriting talent. Look, I think they did a good job with the arrangements of at least five of the songs. If you don't like the last one, that's fine. You give it's, some points for the arrangement you know, I, of but the it's only cover, five songs. But it's I only think, five songs. Exactly. I think, and this, I mean, and I. Love to be proved wrong because we've only really done two of these, you know, quote unquote super groups. I think when you get, you know, it's almost like that, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen type mm. thing. You're you're not left with something that is necessarily great and wonderful. You're left with two egos trying to pull for each side right and that's kind of why i feel like of the two supergroups that we've done they've just you know in their respective genres they've just kind of come out with things that were a little generic for the genre and i think yeah. a lot of people who are big music fans and big fans of these people individually and again i'm not trying to insult you here kind of 
flock to it because you're like, oh my God, these, you know, two powerhouses of the industry have come together to put something out. Whereas, you know, me and, you know, everybody else who might not know who they were on their own kind of just objectively listens to it and goes, you know, this is just rock. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I get where you're coming from. I understand the outside perspective. I think it needs to be kind of low. It it only hurts them that there are only five original songs, and I get that. Why it has to be low? I mean, I think they're good five original songs, and I think it's a good arrangement of a Buddy Holly song. But that's still only six total songs, and six total songs is you're going to be hurting. I might. I mean, I might be at like a two and a half. I'll take it. Yeah, I mean that's. I'll take it. Um, poetic talent. I really, I, I think the song "Presence of the Lord" really means a lot to Eric Clapton. Um, I think "Presence of the Lord." I think "Can't Find My Way Home." And "Can't is, Find My Way Home." Yeah, they're the they're the two standout tracks, hands down. Incredibly written songs. Yeah. Um, but again, we're falling under this. There's only five songs that Ooh, are written where they wrote. I don't necessarily yeah. think that those two are enough to really bring their poetic talent. Not to be high, not, not to, be, to high, be high, at all, but to but... to give points so that yeah, we're not like, well, I, they only wrote know, five I, songs, one point. I think they wrote some very meaningful songs. I, so, I would probably, I wouldn't, I personally would not go any higher than a three. If it was just I up to wouldn't. me to score mm-hmm. it, I would probably give it like a one and a half or a two, but I'd be willing to say three. I was leaning okay. towards a two. Uh, okay. I was feeling maybe staying with that steady two and a half. But I mean, if you want to go in between somewhere, I'll go in between somewhere. Let's just do like a so, two point. You know, I just okay. I feel like so 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 much of like why we instinctively want to kind of give them a higher mm-hmm. poetic skill is again because of stuff that they did outside of this. Band. Yeah, right. And I think if if you were to totally take away the history and the members and just have this as a band. I don't necessarily think you'd be rating their poetic talent that high. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're a big fan. You know Eric Clapton. You know all the Steve history Lillian. and stuff about him. So when you listen to that song, you know that he wrote it and you know what all those words mean. Sure. To somebody who does not know Eric Clapton and is just listening to that song, I don't think it's going to have that same impactful That's absolutely fair. Uh, X Factor is... Have we, we've discussed this before. I can't remember. Is Supergroupdom... An X Factor in any way? Um, I. So I, I looked back. We gave yeah. Audio Slave a half point. I don't remember if it was for. I for think super it's for being a supergroup. So half point for them. I'd be willing to give them a half point for being a supergroup. I mean, two of the biggest groups at the time. Yeah, I mean, you can't. Clapton and Winwood are both huge right. stars, and they both went on to continue having yeah, big so careers. I mean, half like a Steve point Winwood. makes sense to me, especially yeah. since I know they're scoring very low for where they. For for their talent level and what could have happened. Yeah, exactly. So that's that. So that's the episode. So we've got three scores to dish out. So I think we we talked it to death already based on the fact that there's very little music. Blind Faith had to come in last for this episode, unfortunately, with a 14.6. Yeah. Very close between the other two. But Government Mule is in the middle with a 26.2. And Ray LaMontagne ended up winning the episode with a 26-5. It was that insurance commercial that put him right over the top of Government Mule. (laughs) What did I say? Yeah, yeah, that's that's culture, I guess. That is hilarious. Well, great episode. A lot of fun to listen to. Um, That's going to wrap us up. Yeah, we're good. Uh, Check us out online, lowtotemband.com. 
Uh, if you're in the area, you'll see where we're performing. If you're not in the area, you'll see, you know, just stuff about us. Maybe when our album's coming out to buy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're just interested in Totem Talks, we have stuff for Totem Talks there, too. Um, And, yeah, that's about it. Uh, Tyler, do you have anything to say before we wrap it up? Uh, Yeah, I just want to give a shout-out to this week's sponsor, the Wishy Washy Washing Machine Company of Walla Walla, Washington. Thank you very much for your um, support. So that works Not a sponsor. less well when we have sponsors. Not a sponsor. So yeah, they're not a sponsor, but we are sponsored they are. by Nicorette Gum. We'll just cut that. <laughs> All right, and that's gonna wrap us up. <laughs> have a great day.